are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. In the 64th chapter of the book of Isaiah, And you know, I've never gotten this connection until today. Many times I've quoted, oh, I've quoted, and you have that verse that really makes the flesh uh, nervous. And the sixth verse said, but we're all, all of us, S-A-W-L, that's all of us. We're all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousnesses are, as present tense, as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Now, I, I just never have been given to outlines. I hear uh, Brother Wiersbe, and I tell you, it, I, it, it, it taxes me to even put it down. I mean, he got so much, and so many, and I'd say, well, why couldn't I have thought of that? And I really, I get disturbed. Really, I, do, I, I hear back to the Bible broadcast, you know. Oh, brother, it's a finished production, you know. And I come on singing without a piano, pianist. And I, I didn't know what I was going to sing when I started on, and, and I'd say, Lord, why couldn't I? Maybe get a little more orderly. Don't say amen now because I'm discouraged as it is. I'm, uh, and I hear preachers preach like this. And uh, he's orderly, see? He's just orderly. And got a lot of good outlines and, and uh, a lot of challenging things. Makes it easy to remember, see? I mean, it's real good. And I notice people, preachers, taking notes. And uh, that's a blessing. But I want you to see this. If I had, an, if I had a theme... For this one verse I've read, you know what it'd be? A double L. Well, you say, well, why? Well, he said it three times. In other words, he's emphasizing the fact that all of us are in a big, bad fix. Just put her down. If you're flesh, if you're made out of flesh, whether you weigh 79 or 149, brother, I mean, if you're in the flesh, you're in a bad fix without Christ. Amen. You might as well admit it. And I'm leading up to the message that I feel the Lord gave me a few days ago. Now, verse 7, and this could be our text tonight. There's none. Now, he talked about all of us, and he said there's none. I mean, just look like nobody. There's none that calleth upon thy name, that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. For thou hast hid thy face from us. And has consumed us because of our iniquities. Notice what he said. There's not a man stirring. That's a picture of death. And that seems like Ezekiel's valley of dry bones. Not a bone stirring. Nobody stirred up. I'm preaching tonight on the sin of an unstirred church. Amen. And I tell you, Though sometimes the preacher who sees it as it is seems to be uh, a gloom peddler and almost sometimes a doom peddler, 
I'd have to still say I'm seeing less stirring among God's people than I've ever seen in my life. I'm going in and out of more unstirred churches than I've ever gone in and out among. If I were to take you to my city of Corpus Christi without seeking to be critical but just using my hometown of 200,000 souls, I'd have to say that so far as I know, in all of my absences and leaving, but I go and come, I do not know of one stir in corpus for God. Not a one. I heard Brother Wearsby say today, I wish we had some great spiritual churches or more in our city. Listen, this other statement. The one man in this congregation, preacher, or be he a layman or a laywoman, a boy or a girl, the one man in this congregation that is in the most tragic and the most desperate condition is not the man that's unstirred, but the man that cannot be longer stirred. And that's where we're getting right now. We're getting to the place where you can't stir them. Now you pray for this message tonight. And then ask yourself, how long has it been since I've literally been stirred to the roots of my spiritual being? Amen. Amen. I'd say this, our educational system is not stirring the people. And the denominational program is not too stirring. Amen. And the average church program doesn't have too much challenge to stir. Right. I'm talking about we're living in an unstirred generation. And yet surely I can say that if there's any generation that ought to be stirred and has every reason to be stirred up, I mean to a flame and heat, it ought to be us now, right now. Amen. Amen. Half of my ministry was given to doubt and, and I mean, a misunderstanding of the coming of Christ. And it's hard to preach such a tremendous reality unless you believe it. Right. And yet, there doesn't seem to be a much of a stirring about the coming of Christ. Jesus said he's come when they don't even think about it. When they think not. But you know, the Bible... It's a book of stirring. This is the most stirring book I've ever read. And I don't say it to brag, but I've lost my appetite. And I mean, I just praise the Lord, even though I still feel many times backslidden and unstirred and, 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 and compassionless and without the love and the tears and the brokenness that the preacher talked about tonight uh, and the sacrifices that he uh, mentioned in his message. But... I believe I'd be in a lot worse shape than I am if I read newspapers and magazines and a lot of other stuff. I mean, I believe it ruined me. I believe if I had to sit in front of a television set for 15 or 20 or 30 minutes or an hour, I believe it ruined me. I believe he'd get me. You say, that's because you're not strong. Well, I'm admitting it at least. <laughs> Brother Hurd sitting here on the front seat tonight has... And Brother Cox and two precious friends. And uh, Brother Herds made trips to the old city of refuge with his brother, Billy, all the way to Texas. Nephew, 
by his own name, heard. Little old Robbie, victim of a broken home and a drunkard daddy. But he had an uncle that the Lord laid his hand on. And he come a peddling that little old boy to Texas. And uh, that little old fella, through the prayers, I believe, of his godly uncle, he began to get stirred up. God began to stir him. And first thing you know, he's saved. And then he was called to preach. And then he preached his first sermon. God doesn't cut his children off from anything good. He told us, the preacher, I heard him say, every good and every perfect gift, that's all God gives us. Think about that. Everything good I've ever had, God gave it to me. I never did have a perfect gift till I met a perfect Christ. Never did. You say, well, you're a perfectionist. No, but I'm heading in that direction. <laughs> one of my precious little old deacons one night, he jumped up. It's about 12 o'clock. That's one of those deacons meeting, you know, that ran. And I believe what you said. Well, that's before I learned any better. You know, more business meetings you have, more arguments you could inspire. Best way in the world is just not, uh, in the last church that we had in Corpus, we just went into the church with nothing but the Bible and, and started off in the tent and bought ten acres and four tents in the heart of the city and so forth. And we just, uh, we, we were having a great time. I announced to the people, I said, now, all I'm going to do is preach and visit lost people. Won't fool with church members at all. I don't have time for you. Preach 45 minutes on the radio every day. If you want to hear from me, tune in. Or meet me at church three or four times a week. And I, I won't fool with you. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Now, you can go about your fellowship, donuts, coffee, sweet roll, tea, all that. You have it. But I'm going to visit lost people. Now, you said we ought to a lot of lost people in Corpus Christi. And the best way in the world to win is for the preachers to get after them. And any time a preacher says, well, you know, our church just didn't win anybody to Christ, he means he didn't win anybody to Christ. That's right. And, and a church member, a preacher can get so tied up with a bunch of old, fat, greasy church members till you get nothing done. <laughs> Could you come by my house for breakfast in the morning? No, I can't come. <laughs> Would you meet me for dinner tomorrow night? I have a bunch of money. I know I won't be there unless there's some of them lost. You say, well, brother, we're walking that way. You get, no, I'm not either. I just tell you, brother, if we're going to get anything for it, done for God just before he comes, we better get at it. Amen. And the church never has, and John Wesley said this, the church never has had anything to do except win souls. Amen. One preacher in Corpus, he said, well, he said, you know, uh, last year we majored on evangelism. This year we're going to major on something else. Well, he was majoring on a minor, wasn't he? Whatever it was, see. Amen. Somebody said, well, you can't, you can't grow them up in grace. Listen, there's nothing that'll make a, 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 a Christian grow like winning the soul or seeing somebody else win. Amen. We hadn't been going too many months until a bunch of people began to come. The fires were burning and the altar was filled and we had, oh, I don't know. It is a wonderful night that night. It really was. And one of the new members came up, uh, came with a background. You know, I'd rather have a foreground than a background. Amen. A lot of these backgrounds are not worth shooting. He came and he, he pulled out his background. And uh, there we were, and tears hadn't dried, and some of the folks are still hugging each other in the altar, you know. And he walked up to me in a business-like way and said, when does this church have a business meeting? <laughs> I mean, really, he was put out. I mean, he'd been waiting for a month to argue about something. <laughs> 
I guarantee he might have been put out, but he really put me out too. And I didn't mean to be ugly, but I said, what do you think we're having here at the altar tonight? I said, that's our main, I said, these, this is, we're doing real business, these people getting saved. I said, get on and hug them a little bit and shake hands with them, that's business. I'm tired of a lot of these sickly business men. My soul, if God's people, if the old church could get stirred up again, I mean really, get stirred up again, and then she'd stir a town up, she'd stir people up. Our homes need to be stirred. Well, there's some verses of scripture I'd like to share with you tonight. In the first place, he said, you know, there's not anybody that stirred himself up. Now, the book of Acts is one constant stirring. I mean, in the first chapter, we have them getting ready, don't we? In the second chapter, the Bible said they all got together. Now, somebody already stirred them. You get them all together, they've already been stirred. He said they, they, they were stirred. They got stirred up. And he said, after the, in one meeting, after the church was stirred, now I know they were behind closed doors. And uh, uh, I think they could have put a sign up out there that said, Close for repairs. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think, the, I really do, I think the New Testament church had to have a major overhaul. Because there's trouble on the inside. You know what James and John said, don't you? We want the best seats. Jesus said, you fellas don't know what you're talking about, do you? But nevertheless... The church was in, is in a bad condition. And here's the thing that really, on the human side, the New Testament church, it did what it did in spite of its difficulties and not in the face of no difficulties. I mean, look at the church at Corinth. The church at Philippi, the preacher's preaching to us about every morning. I mean, a couple of ladies are in the church. It seems that they were having a hard time being of the same mind. And uh, there was trouble brewing. And uh, you go right through, and you'll find the New Testament church. But listen, here's the thing about it. The New Testament church in the book of Acts was so saturated with the Holy Spirit that its difficulties spurred them on. They didn't stop. They didn't take time out. They went right on. And so, in the 126th Psalm, I want you to just look at that for just a moment. To me, this is one of the recipes for God's people to stay stirred. Uh, in, and, and this is where, uh, when the church gets like this, uh, the heathen will be given a testimony for it. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, uh, we, which was the type of the church, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, our tongue with singing. That's when you get happy. They stirred up. They stirred up. He said our mouth was filled with laughter. That means a holy laugh. Have you ever noticed the world's laugh? It's kind of a boisterous Cold, crude, rude sort of a laugh. You ever laugh in the Lord? Huh? Yeah. I mean, actually, have you ever been off by yourself and, and just get the laughing in the Lord? You know, that's the reason I believe the aloneness uh, with the aboveness. <laughs> to me, a preacher, a preacher one time heard him preach. He said, I'm going to preach today on the subject of the aboveness of God for the aboveness of man. And he used 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, man is about uh, a lot of things, but if he loses the aboveness, his aboveness don't amount to nothing. 
Yes. Notice he said our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. That's the reason I believe that there needs to be private. Oh, I wish I could say this. I never have said it like this. You'll understand, won't you? Surely we don't mean to be cheap or we don't mean to be suggestive, but if we could just somehow grasp some spiritual terms, like from the Song of Solomon and from Paul when he said that I may know him, I want to know him. I really want to know him. I'm, and if, if we could have private, spiritual experience with the Word and with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus, that'd be some real laughing. I mean, it, it'd go deeper than fun. Yes, I heard people say, y'all come down to our church. Boy, we have fun down there. goes deeper than fun. And dear friends, I believe there are experiences that we can have with Jesus only when we're alone with him. And this business of everybody living next to everybody else sure does cut off some of the sweet experiences that the old-timers used to have. And he said right here, we sure did get our mouths filled with laughter. And brother, when our mouths get filled with laughter, our tongues will soon be singing. If we've got a filled mouth, we'll have a singing tongue. That old tongue starts singing the praises of God. Amen. You ever sing the Psalms? You know, one of the advantages of memorizing the scripture by the chapter is that, uh, of course, you got it. I mean, you can, if it's dark, you still got it. If cataracts get your eyes, you still got it. If blackout comes, you still got it. Storm cuts off the power, you still got it. And I tell you what, I need the scripture in the dark. And uh, the more I memorize, and I wish I could, I wish I could challenge you. I wish I could challenge you to memorize one chapter every thirty days. It's the greatest experience I've ever had reading through the Bible on my knees out loud every year and memorizing one chapter every thirty days. I mean, it's the best discipline. People say, well, I'd like to do that, but, you know, my mind's not as alert as it used to be. The best way to sharpen it up is to put the sword on it. I mean, put the word to it, see? I mean, listen, the Holy Spirit will quicken your mortal mind if you put enough of the word of God in it. The thing is, we, most of us, and I don't mean to be critical, the Lord knows that, but most of us do not stay in the Bible enough to think Bible thoughts. I mean, you've got to live in the Bible. I mean, if you live in the newspaper, you'll talk newspaper. If you read magazines, you'll uh, be talking magazines. And if you watch television, you'll be television. My brother, whatever you give your mind to, you're going to have that kind of a mind and you know it. Right. And why in the world won't you let this mind be in you which was also in Christ? Amen. You'd say, well, brother, Wolf, what is the mind of Christ? The Bible. The word of God. Amen. It's only mind you need to have. And so he he said, Our mouth was filled with laughter, tongue was singing, then said they among the heathen. The Lord done great things for them, things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we're glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his seed with him. Look at it. 
That doesn't make sense in the eyes of the world. This is one of the mysteries. Here they are, laughing. Here they are, singing. And here they are, weeping. All goes together. Amen. Uh, have you ever gathered around an altar and people prayed and prayed and wept and, and groaned and moaned and, 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 and the old world sitting back there and they said, glad when the thing got over with you, you know, and said, boy, that's a miserable bunch. <laughs> It's the happiest days in the church life. Yeah. Right. My, the other day, somewhere, I've forgotten where, but we were preaching and speaking and witness, worshiping, and all of a sudden I began to hear people groan and weep out loud, just not real loud, but you could hear them. You couldn't hardly tell where it's coming from, but I mean, you'd say, Brother Wolf, they're miserable. Yeah, they might be for a while, but they're fixing to get all right. Amen. Yes. There needs to be a, a stirring. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNVBC.com for Christian music you can trust. <laughs>